Courtside the Virtual Hardwood, it's the NLSC Podcast, episode number 383. Andrew with you once again. I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. My co-host and fellow NLSC team member is Derek. You know him in the forum as DP3 and he is DP384 on Twitter. I'm happy to be here again. Uh, how about that game we just played of NBA Live 95? Pretty wild. Pretty wild. Yeah, yeah, Andrew and I just played a game of Super NES NBA Live 95 using Parsec. Uh, both of us own the physical copy as well. As, as people know, we're, we're collectors. Uh, and we used, I was the Phoenix Suns, he was the Milwaukee Bucks. Kind of like, a, you know, a 2021 NBA Finals, but on NBA Live 95. And I just went absolutely ballistic with Dan Marley. See, and that, that was actually very much like the current NBA, just tossing up threes from 40 feet plus. More than 40 feet. Except he was, except he was hitting them <laughs> yeah. at a, an alarming rate. I mean, I was hitting from right inside half court. And I, I want to say I scored 59 points, on, and I think I was 16 for 27 from three in the game. But it was just wild, zany basketball fun, like arcade fun. And the first half was a duel between Ken Norman and um, and Dan Marley. But I was literally laughing. Like, I'm, I'm laughing at when I hit that fifth three in a row with Dan Marley from, like, 35 feet. And I'm like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Thunder Dan, when he started raining down, as, as he did back in the day, of course, uh, maybe not uh, 16 threes in a game. That record was not set at uh, that particular time. But when he start, when you started raining it down with uh, with Thunder down there, I was like, yeah, it's uh, this is going to be hard for me to counteract with uh, Eric Murdoch and Todd Day. With uh, all due respect, they uh, they were fine players at the time, but they are not the Splash Brothers at all. They're not an early version of the Splash Brothers. Maybe if I had uh, Abdul Ralph, maybe I, I might have been able to uh, counteract that, but uh, not quite the shooting and uh, not even the superstardom of, of Ken Norman could get me back in that game. And uh, Vin Baker looking. Uh, Giannis like he's doing the job, job inside, but uh, yeah, not much from outside. Yeah, we also had a, a play that I, I think is top ten worthy. Where on one end I did a um, uh, three sixty dunk, and then on the other end you did a three sixty into a back slam. Five four, yeah, uh, yeah, something like that. And uh, I thought it was really impressive how those went like right back to back. And I might I might include that in the top ten. We had a good top ten this week too. We absolutely did. It was great to see, and you've been uh, you've been smoothing out some of those highlights. I mean, obviously, you've been doing a lot in your your YouTube channel, uh, youtubecom slash um, uh, remastering some NBA actual real NBA footage as well. But you were able to uh, to smooth out some of those highlights, uh, including a couple of uh, thirty frames per second uh, captures that I sent along. I'm getting addicted to it. Um, for one thing, with the real NBA, it's nothing nothing like putting uh, an old game that has that lower frame rate putting it to smooth 60 FPS and watching these guys go to work. You know what I mean? Like watching in 60 FPS, Clyde Drexler get a first step and take off and throw it down and the smooth shooting of Kiki Vandeway and Rolando Blackman and watching James Worthy do a spin move into a jam or a sweet finish or something in like 60 FPS. Like, like what we see it today, right? Exactly. Well, like how we see today in highlights, um, and when we're watching uh, on HD on, on HD TV and whatnot. So I am absolutely addicted to it right now, and I've been uploading uh, real NBA and uh, uh, virtual basketball to my YouTube channel. So make sure you subscribe to that if you haven't already, uh, NLC listeners. 
But uh, yeah, I, you, you sent me that Clyde Drexler um, pull back to a crossover into a wide jam. That was a really nice dunk, by the way. It looks really cool on the instant replay. But you sent that to me in 30 FPS, and I converted it to 60 FPS, and oh my god, does that make a difference. It does, Like, yeah. that highlight looks awesome in the top 10, and I did that actually with three other highlights that were submitted to me, um, including the NBA Live 19 Westbrook Jam, and then one that Teddy Bear the Gamer sent over to me, and then also the Live King, the Giannis dunk on Jay Crowder. Um, that was sent to me in 30 FPS, but I switched, uh, I uh, converted it to 60 FPS, and it's smooth as butter. It really so, is, yeah. Uh, so per, I basically am going to be doing that consistently now for every top 10 each week. But I love the top 10. We had such a variation in highlights. We had the behind the signature behind the back into a layup with Jamal Crawford. We had the between-the-legs pass by Penny Hardaway. Uh, we had some posterizing dunks, buzzer beaters, uh, Matt Bullard buzzer beater. Uh, from NBA Live 2001. Just really good variety this week. Interesting uh, choice to go to Bullard. Uh, well, you notice I included the substitution screens. Of course, yeah. Because <laughs> because his decision with, what, 1.7 seconds left or whatever it was, was to rip out NBA legend Akeem Olajuwon and put in Matt Bullard for him. And Matt Bullard not only hits, not only gets the last shot, but he hit it. And uh, on Instagram, uh, either Nate or Roger Ward, those guys that run that account, I admire their appreciation for NBA Live 2001 and the classics, by the way. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I think it was Roger that said it. He said um, he was going for height. And uh, and my first thought is, you just ripped out Akeem Olajuwon <laughs> <laughs> from Matt Bullard. Um, but, hey, it worked. That's the thing. But that, it definitely worked the madness. Yeah. No, I've been enjoying the top 10 as you've been sending it to me uh, each week. And, you know, it's the, the variety of games and the variety of highlights. Like like you said, the between the legs from Penny and, and the like buzzer beaters and the signature behind the back layups and everything. So it's not just dunks, although they dunks are always cool. So they're always going to be in the top 10, I suppose. But a good variety either way. Yeah, I actually have a submission um, that came in a little bit late from NBA Live Mobile. And it's actually in pretty good quality. And it's a very nice jam, uh, I believe, after a steal um, on the fast break. And I'm going to try to get that into the top 10 next week. But I love the, the different variety of games. I'm getting games from, you know, highlights from NBA Live Mobile, from NBA Live 16, from 19, from, you know, all the different 2Ks and whatnot. So it's definitely been good. Um, shout know, shout out to that person. Um, real quick, shout out to that person. I'm glad they actually did get in touch, touch with you because... They did ask in the comments on a previous uh, top ten how to get in, to how they could submit, and whether that we would take NBA Live Mobile as well. And I said in the, in my reply, any basketball game basically, we'll we'll take a Jamit submission. Whether whether Jamit makes it into the top ten is uh, is another thing. It would have to be something really spectacular from that particular game. But hey, if it's a basketball game, yeah, right, exactly. If you if you play Tiny Toons Acme All Stars and you jump in your car with Montana Max and you you know hit a half court game winner then it's still basketball. Like, we can still put that in the top ten. By the way, that game is just awesome. That's my that's my favorite cartoon basketball game, um, the uh, Tiny Toons Acme All-Stars. And if you haven't played that, we're going to have to play that sometime because it's really fun. Uh, one, one thing I wanted to say really quick, uh, last thing about NBA Live 95, you know, before we put that, you know, we wanted to get a quick game in before the podcast, before we shot the podcast. And 
I was like, you know what, let's put it on low minute quarters. I think we did what three minute quarters. We did the lowest. And yeah. arcade settings, and just let's let let's have some fun. And it's just nice sometimes to play a game like that where it's just totally loose. It is. And, you know, we, we've talked yeah. before about being sim and enjoying that style, and we're not the only ones, obviously. But this is why I love arcade games as well. It's why even playing some of the sim games on a, an arcade setting is, is fun. It, it's why even when I was playing 2K Online, I, I would usually prefer the online team play modes of the Rec or 2K Pro-Am. But going to the, the playground and playing uh, the playing street ball every so often was a, was a nice change of pace. It's why we need more basketball games in the space. It's why it was great to have live and two K and jam and street and yeah. It, it and we obviously have collections, you and I. So this is why we dip into them. We don't just collect them to put them on a shelf. In fact, I don't have enough shelf space to display all of my collection. But this is why we dip into our collections. Yeah, and look how many people since the Parsec thing has blown up a bit. Look how many people have been talking about playing NBA Street and wanting to play NBA Street. Mm. A game that came out, you know, close to 20 years ago. Absolutely. The volume two. So um, it's just really impressive. And you got your first taste of Double Dribble Playoff Edition for Sega Genesis. And you told briefly your thoughts on it. So why don't we tell our listeners, you know, how you felt, I guess, about Double Dribble Playoff Edition? Because let's put it this way. It is nothing like the original not at all they uh they, they should have made double dribble good edition no no i'm just kidding um it's again obviously there's roughness to it even compared to its contemporaries it's it's not the best game i've played of that vintage or since obviously but there's a fun pick up and play aspect to it and that's what that's what was the great thing about a lot of games back then and it holds up decently well i mean three point layups are pretty funny um but <laughs> It's it was fun, you know. And it would, again, we're just messing around. We're not getting, being too serious with it. Um, we are trying. We are we are playing defense. We are trying to take good shots and, and to both competing. But uh, it's it's pretty solid, you know. It's I and mean, it is very different from the original. It's it's a lot more cartoony, but not not a bad thing. But I'm just trying to remember. Was it how was it received back in the day? Um, I, I think it was pretty average. I, I want to say that one thing that would have really fixed that game as far as like making it a much better performer. I like that game, by the way. I played it a lot growing up. I, I really enjoy certain aspects of the game. I like the presentation. I like the music. I like the announcer with the incredible dunk. Dunk! Harry uh, and everything. Yeah, he's like, incredible dunk! And it, it's just, I really like it. Um, but if they had made it so the shooting wasn't so wild... Like, you're shooting in that game, like, you saw it, you know, you go up for a shot and he's throwing it behind his head. Yep. Or, like, he's shooting it completely on the way down. It doesn't matter when you release it. Or they're not facing the basket and their arms are flailing wildly when they shoot. If they had just had somewhat more realistic shooting form, I know it's an arcade game, but just something that resembled more real-life shooting, then I think that it would have felt a little bit better. But one thing that I want to applaud it for, and the same thing that I applaud it for um, NBA Live 95 for a similar reason anyway is the stealing and blocking is rewarding and that's where a lot of the competition can um, kick in where you can feel like you can actually compete is like you know when you blocked me on that mid-ranger and were able to go down the other end and score or I blocked you um, at a shot close to the hoop um, I think I did twice on one possession at one point but the blocking and stealing mechanics are solid in both of those games 
They are, uh, and it's it's, 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 it's uh, harkens back to something we've said a lot on the on the show. A a, a, a saying we we come back to a lot is that it has good bones. Yeah, exactly, and I think um, both have good passing too, which is another part of uh, important part. It has good bones as far as like the passing, like jump passing and regular passing on double dribble playoff edition. I really enjoy it. So it has enough, like you said, to have fun with it. It has enough where you can kind of compete and like have true competition with it. And uh, I think if you spent a little bit more time with ju- uh, double dribble playoff edition and we were able to get some competitive games in, um, you'd like it even more. How would you like the, uh, the Chicago team with no last name, but the Chicago team with the power forward with goggles and the bald shooting guard, uh, you know exactly what they were doing. I mean, they've switched, they've switched up the Jersey numbers kind of like they did with super dunk shot, just a little bit, but, but yeah, you can, you can tell who it's supposed to be. Uh, what's his name? Bolf? B-O-L-F, yeah. Bolf, yeah. Uh, Horace Bolf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, something you had to do back in the day for, for the games that found a way around it. And, and you wouldn't see it as much these days. You do see it here and there, obviously, basketball classics. What Josh and Dave have done with that is a, a very similar approach, just shooting guard, you know, just having the, the positions. And, of course, now we can rename them as of the latest patch in basketball classics. But, uh, yeah, it's just something, again, that you wouldn't see as much of these days. Yeah. I'm just, I'm glad that you played it. Um, It's one of the weirdest sequels I've ever seen. Like, you you know, when you go from Punch-Out to, like, Super Punch-Out, you're like, you can tell that it was based on the original Punch-Out, right? But if you just had Double Dribble Playoff Edition and there was no original Double Dribble, you, like, anything to compare it to? I mean, like, can you really... Like, let, let, let me put it a different way. If it didn't have Double Dribble on the name, would you associate that game with Double Dribble? Like, if it wasn't Double Dribble Playoff Edition, if it was just Basketball Playoff Edition, would you say, hey, this looks like Double Dribble? I wouldn't. Not really, no. Like, I mean, it's it's five on yeah. five, whereas what Double Dribble was... Was Double Dribble five on five or was it more three or four on four? Uh, I thought Double Dribble was five on five, but now you've got me questioning it. But uh, but you've certainly got more players kind of bunched up at the same time. It, it always felt with double dribble that you had kind of two hanging out of the backcourt. It's so you never really sort of had that ten in this on the screen at once. I don't think. Yeah, I remember the Magic Johnson's fast break game that was so frustrating to me because it was just two on two, full court mm. with really weird mechanics. But I don't remember it being advertised as two on two. But, but beyond you know that, what I mean? Yeah. Beyond that, though, stylistically, it is very different. You've got these bulky players, kind of these almost almost like pro wrestlers on the court there, <laughs> the way they're very muscular and bulky. And, I mean, double dribble is not sim as... Most, most people wouldn't call it sim in the way we usually think of sim, but it, it's definitely less arcadey, or at least the home ports anyway, compared to playoff edition. But it was fun. Uh, w- one thing that I did have a bit of, uh, bit of problems with was switching players and... The, when the player that you're controlling is illuminated, a little bit brighter than the others. Sometimes it was a bit disorientating trying to find my player in a in a scrum. Basically, that was uh, that, that's a bit of a design flaw there. Yeah, I feel that too. Um, because they don't have like the circle underneath. Yeah, no indicator. Uh, and that would and it would definitely help. I will say that the original double dribble, um, in my opinion, probably has overall. I'm going to say it might have better gameplay, even though it's very it's it's older by quite a few years uh, than Double Dribble Playoff Edition. I still think that the original NES Double Dribble uh, probably has better gameplay overall mm. than 
playoff edition. I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, there's different mechanics, obviously, that you get on double dribble playoff edition, but there's still some sort like the shooting still bugs me. On it, it. it it does, and like you said, you have to have a realistic looking for the time anyway. Even if it's cartoony, it has to be something that resembles an actual shot. Unless you're going full Looney Tunes, like obviously uh, Looney Tunes B-Ball, some of the shooting forms are deliberately cartoonish, and it looks good because it's very well animated, that particular game. But it does look very clunky, very weird, some of those shooting forms. You're flying out to the baseline, uh, back to the basket, and flipping it over with a weird kind of um, half-hook, half-backwards jump shot. Um, and it goes in, so you're like, okay, I'll take the two points, or the three points, as the case may be, if you can get that to go beyond the three-point arc, obviously. But I am glad that we revisited those two games. Uh, cool to play, uh, play-up edition for the first time, having played the original uh, already. But, yeah, Live 95, it just it just really holds up, and, and we were playing it arcade, as you said. So we, Although we were actually, for the first half, like you said, we were kind of playing it realistically, and then we just, oh, that's right, we're playing arcade. We're not, we have no, we don't have... Uh, fouls on we don't have uh, fatigue on we can just go wild and then thunder dan did and uh, that was it basically but uh, again yeah, i went off the, yeah. off the i'm not who kind of ruined the 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 kind of realistic approach that we were trying to take in the first half and i think i like i said i hit like five threes in a row with marley and i was like you know what screw it i'm just gonna i'm gonna fire and i just kept firing and then you kind of got into the act in the fourth quarter but yeah i just i I, it was a really loose fun time it was it it, it gets to that point where you're wondering okay how crazy can i get what kind of threes can i hit how many can i hit and the the answer is there what 16 of 27 for thunder dan it was a lot yeah and it seemed like it was working pretty well for you this time too a little bit a little bit better anyways than than we had played before a little bit um yeah, um, not obviously not perfect. Like I gave you the ball back on one possession, but uh, yeah, there were some shots you were taking in the fourth quarter where you were smoking them, and you were shooting really good-looking shots. So at the moment, it's about getting used to the lag for me in any particular game. That's that's why kind of going. That's why I like going back to live ten because I'm very used to that at the moment. Whereas when I switch it up with other games, having to get used to their mechanics and their timing, that's what throws me off. But we are working on it. I am going to be doing some upgrades as well, which will hopefully get us being able to play pretty much anything as smoothly as you've been able to play with other people, uh, which you have been doing, and, and that's been great to see. We've been uploading some highlights to the YouTube channel, uh, your channel as well, obviously. We have the Parsec section set up in the community. We have a Discord. There's a link there for people who want to get involved with that. Uh, community's just taking to it. been awesome. Um, got a couple games in against Kid Cash on NBA Street Volume 2. Um, King J Mace, um, actually, um, I got a, a couple games in with him, but then he got in touch with a few people he knows, um, in the modding community and he connected with them on Parsec and he told me that it was amazing. Uh, so I really like the fact that they're not just connecting with me now because that's how it started. Right. Like yeah. I was just playing with everybody. Um, and they're kind of branching out now and reaching out to other people and, they are, you know, connecting with them, and it's working well. And I think the settings that I put in the forum are working for everybody, as as far as I know. And that that also makes me feel good. Uh, we, you know, we have that chat now. Um, we have the Discord um, where people can set up games with other people. And I just, I, I hope it continues to take off because it's just really fun to see the highlights that, you know, people post 
uh, when of their games, and then you know they get to look at the ones that I play. So it's good stuff. And that way you don't, you don't have to be organizing everything. It's not just coming down to you uh, playing it. But uh, obviously, it's something we want to get involved with. Great to see people jumping in again we have that parsec section in the forum now where you can organize meetups we have the discord link is in there the invite link uh yeah and once again share your highlights with us so we'll uh, we'll share them as well yeah i uh shared some highlights from a few games that i had with stildo uh 33 who works on the nba 2k19 rosters and we are having so much fun with this and it's such a great experience that when the 94-95 roster is released for um, 2K19, him and I are going to do a My League, and he's going to use the uh, Orlando Magic with Penny and Shaq and Dennis Scott and Nick Anderson and whatnot. And I am going to use the Celtics with Dina Raja and Dominique Wilkins and D Brown Xavier and whatnot. McDaniel. And we're going to, yep, we're going to, and we're going to, what we're going to do, I love Xavier McDaniel, by the way. It was, it was a huge thing when he when he ended up signing with the Celtics. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to play a full season. Uh, we're going to be each other's opponents, and we're going to do eight-minute quarters. And we're really excited about it. And how cool is that? Not like a My League Online thing that, you know, we have to enter that mode or anything like that, or we don't have to depend on 2K servers or anything. We're going to use Parsec. He's going to play off of my game. I'll set the schedule so we don't have to simulate any games, so I'll rig the schedule. And we are going to just play a full My League. Fantastic. Yeah. I just I can't even believe it. Yeah. So, But I did post some highlights on my YouTube, and I sent you a few videos to post on your YouTube, on the NLSC YouTube of those games. Uh, we had, what was it, Portland Trailblazers versus uh who did he use in that game oh the hornets 93 94 roster um blazers versus hornets and then we had 92 93 roster hawks versus suns uh etc it's just been a lot of fun and i really hope that our listeners uh who haven't picked up parsec yet download it definitely recommend it and uh, before we move on to some news this week quick philosophical question about a 95 roster update do you make Michael Jordan number 23 or number 45 in a 95 roster update? Because he switched back to 23 at the very end there. So a final roster using number 23 is technically accurate, but it's also the uniqueness of 45. Which way do you go? Well, we have a problem a little bit with that. Uh, so with these rosters on 2K19, they're doing beginning of the season rosters. Right. Like that's what the, yeah. And when I do my rosters, as you know, I do end of the season like the playoff rosters or like just end season rosters. So before we start that season, I'm going to do all the trades and all the signings in order to make it an end of the season roster so we can play through with that. So that's the, the, the number one thing. The number two thing, um, the beauty of NBA 2K and live should learn from this is you can just edit the players in the season at any time. True. Right. And edit whatever you want on them. So probably what we'll end up doing, and it's the same thing that I'm doing with my brother's season. And I'll talk about that in a second with another player, but we'll, we'll have him number 45 to start and then switch it, you know, right at the end of the season or whatever to number 23. But like my brother and I are doing an 89, 90 season right now. And Buck Williams is on the Portland trailblazers and I'm using them for a season, but Buck Williams didn't wear goggles for almost the entire regular season and started wearing them in the playoffs. So like right now I have him without goggles because we're playing through the season. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to mod him in with goggles. Hmm. And cool. have him that way for the playoffs. So it's just it, the opportunities are just endless, honestly. 
with modding and editing and all that stuff. Still want to get something going like a 2009 playoffs replay or a, or, a, or the uh, Between the Bulls and Celtics series a replay with, with Live 10 or something like that. What I'd like to do is actually start in a Live 10 season, especially I think what it would be good is when you upgrade your stuff. You know, you get the Windows 10, DirectX 11, all that stuff. When you're really ready to go, I'd like to start an NBA Live t- 10 season and just be your opponent every game for the yeah. season. I think that would be fun. I was thinking playoffs. I was thinking the, the playoffs because that has, that has a standalone playoffs mode. We could, but there's something more fun about playing through a season. Just that's, for me. That's true. I mean, I'd like to see you progress through a season, me be your opponents. You know, if you have to make any deals or whatever, trades or anything like that, you can do that or, or sign players. I think that would be fun content to put up. And I also think the community would eat it up, you know, as far as like you uploading consistently, like the, uh, the game highlights, sure. they can follow it through the season. So just stuff like that. I think it'd be kind of fun if we ever, if we ever got that going. We'll see what we can do once it's all uh, up and running properly. But uh, that's basically what we've been playing this week. I want to touch on some news now. And there's a forthcoming announcement from EA Sports. We don't know what it's going to be, Derek, but we do know that they're going to be announcing the return of a series, or future plans for uh, an old series. A lot of people speculating live, fight night, college basketball. We know the college football is uh, is coming back uh, in, the, in the future. But obviously, I think you and I both, what we prefer is that it is NBA Live. And what do we think the chances are of that? Well, first off, I don't think it's going to be fight night. And I think the reason is, is because boxing in itself is mostly dead now. Nobody really knows the names um, at the top. Um, It's turned into like a celebrity joke, right? Like they're fighting YouTubers now. Yeah. Like that's what boxing is turned into. Um, So unless you're going to do something silly like that and put like Jake Paul or Logan Paul in there or something like that um, and turn fight night into a 2021 joke, then I don't think they're I don't think, like I said, I don't think they're bringing back fight night. So I'm going to scratch that off the list. I think it comes down to either NBA live or um, NCAA and the NCAA players, you know, bringing back the uh, NCAA basketball series, formerly March Madness. I, I think that, you know, now with the college players allowed to get paid for their likeness use and whatnot, it allows um, these companies to approach them and, you know, get legally get these players and teams into the games. So I think it could be the return of NCAA basketball. Uh, it, but it could also be, like I said, I, I still thought NBA Live was coming back. I've said that since day one, that I thought that NBA Live 22 was going to co- um, come out and that they weren't going to waste this opportunity. So it could very well be that as well. What do you think? Well, I mean, a lot of people are speculating that it's NCAA basketball. And they're kind of saying, well, if you're giving up on, on live, go to NCAA. At the end of the day, they still have to make a basketball game, right? So, I mean, I, mean, I suppose you're not directly competing with 2K if that is the NBA game and you've got the college basketball game. But I still think the NBA is the biggest seller. A lot of I saw somewhere the other day, I can't remember where, somebody said, oh, EA doesn't have the NBA license anymore. I don't know who came up with that because they've still got NBA Live Mobile. They still have a license with the NBA, um, as, far as, as far as I know anyway. I mean, they're not pulling NBA Live Mobile or anything, so I would assume they still have the license. Certainly with the timing, with what with the uh, college athletes being able to be compensated, a long overdue ruling there, by the way. Um, I mean, it's a possibility. I would have to... I, I would still think it's going to be 
live over college basketball. And and here's the thing, if even if it is college basketball, they've been struggling to get live where it needs to be. Is it going to be any better if it's college basketball? You know, I, I suppose well, again, I, I, I suppose you're not competing with 2K directly in so much as you've got it's college versus NBA. But then are people going to go for a college game over an NBA game? I, I would still say that they would bring NBA Live back first, I feel anyway. There's another reason why I think that I lean towards it being NBA Live, other than that's what I thought since the beginning, that they were going to try to come back for Live 22. Another reason is, is because that decision on paying players, um, you know, like players being allowed to make money off of their likeness use and whatnot, that just happened. Very new, yeah. Recently. Yeah. So, I mean, unless they were developing an NCAA game over this time, just in anticipation of this happening, you know, like of this passing of the ruling and whatnot, um, then how are they going to push out a game Mm. anytime soon? An NCAA game, because like you said, they still got to make the game. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I lean, I lean more towards NBA live 22, but I think both could be a possibility if they, if they are not, if they announce and the the return of NCAA basketball, then they could say, Hey, it's coming back in 2022. Um, I could see that something like that happening. What but, about what about an NBA Street? Because that's the other thing that people are throwing around. NBA Street. Uh, I don't think. I don't know. I I have no hope for that. Yeah. To be honest, with you, I don't. Yeah. I, I think that they're going to go into that simulation space and try to get involved with that with the only one competitor and everything. I, I just, I just feel, I, I feel like NBA street is dead. It's been too long now. I, we're looking at 18 years since the street volume two. And when was the last street was uh, 2007 was home court. So we're looking 14 years, right? So yeah. So we're like 14 years um, from that. Do I think that a new street made well would be amazing? Oh my God. Yeah. I would buy it on day one. Same. If it released at midnight, I I buy it at midnight. Um, But I I don't think that they're going to bring that back. That's just my opinion. I forget who the YouTuber was that did it, but they did a very good video on why series like NBA Street went the way the dodo. And it is basically because they're not guaranteed moneymakers like an annual release, and they're more of an artistic passion project. And, and developers going for the, and publishers rather, are going for those safe bets, those annual releases, the ones they can just churn out year after year, uh, things that, so it's a shame, but it is the way of AAA gaming that a lot of the creativity is more on the indie scene these days. Now, it's hard to sound, hard not to sound like a snob to say that. Obviously, I buy a lot of AAA games, NBA 2K, for example, but we're seeing less of those creative games from the AAA space. We're seeing it on the, on the, on the indie scene. So it's it's we're not going to see the new jams and the new streets. I'd love to see it. I would absolutely buy it. If they upgraded on Fire Edition for the latest season, with added some more legends, as many legends as they could uh, license that 2K doesn't have exclusive contracts with, that would be fantastic. That tech still holds up. I've been playing a lot of on Fire Edition recently and having a blast with it, but it's not going to make the numbers. It's not going to have that widespread appeal that the sim titles have. So... Yeah, I, I don't see it, unfortunately. So I, I don't think Jam, I don't think Street. I think most likely live. If it's, if it's going to be a basketball game, it's going to be live. And and to that end, a lot of the other thing that people are saying, and we have touched on this before, but it's worth revisiting. People are saying, oh, the NBA Live name is ruined, it's dead, it's whatever. They should change it to something else. Do you have any uh, updated thoughts, or do you, your, are your thoughts still the same on that topic as well? 
Well, I want to bring up a couple things, and I'll, I'll jump on that as well, uh, because that's a great question. First off, we got to get another game or, or, or two on NBA Jam 2010. We got to we got to play that again because oh, yeah. that was fun. The last time we did it, even though you had a little bit of lag, it still played well, and we had a, we had some fun moments there. So I think uh, that would be really fun. Uh, number two, um, I, I'm going to disagree with the people that say that it can't have a wide appeal. Um, I'm going to I'm going to point to it again. I'm going to point to a game like Rocket League, and I'm going to point to many other Steam games that have hundreds of thousand reviews and just ridiculous amount of sales that are not from AAA titles like AAA companies and whatnot that, that, that are not um you know sim or anything like that if you make a game well um and you make connectivity um sound and you, you know people can play together um, or against each other and you know you make it you market it the right way i i, I think a street ball video game can do unbelievably well Oh, I, I really, I, I agree. I, I think it's more the problem is the publishers uh, aren't, won't go for the, they won't allow that artistic creativity that they used to. It's, it's only the, the publishers, not not. I mean, people will love it. Yeah, look how look how creative and great NBA Street Volume Two was. I keep bringing that game up because I've just been playing it a lot. Just from everything from the art direction, the graphics, the animations, the amount of moves that you can do. There's so much depth to the gameplay on NBA Street Volume 2. It's my favorite arcade basketball game of all time. It's a great one. It really yeah. is. Yeah, it just, uh, every time I pick up the sticks on it, I just have an absolute blast. Uh, we need to get that highlight. one to go. We, we haven't tried that one yet, I don't think. Well, have oh, we? it's so fun. we got to play that. Actually, the next time we get on there, we should play that one. Um, as far as NBA Live and the NBA Live name, I completely disagree with that. Uh, I think that changing the name um, is showing weakness. I do. I, th- I think changing the name is showing defeat. Hmm. I think it's you guys, you know, we failed the NBA Live name, and you guys have pummeled in, um, us into submission. Uh, we can't come back from this. We're going to change the name. And it brings me back to NBA Elite. You know what I mean? Like, to that time, um, I think that was silly at the time, and I think it would be silly today. I think that NBA Live still has great games behind it. People still have fond memories of some of the games from the past, even like as recent as NBA Live 10 and whatnot, and NBA Live 19, once again, we talked about it. It was received well when it first came out. The reviewers were giving it 7-plus on scores, whether it be IGN or other reviewers and whatnot. Um, There was a lot of buzz in the community, uh, a lot of positive comments about the game, about the fluid animations and everything. Was NBA Live 19 a great game? No. Has a lot of issues, especially after the patching, but... Did the NBA Live name hurt NBA Live 19? Not no, at all. no. And just a couple of years ago. So no, my uh, I think it would be uh, it's the same as I said before. I think it would be admitting defeat. It would be a submissive, weak move. And I think that they need to stand by that name. And as, and it's been proven as recent history that the the name is not going to hurt the reception. I'm with you on that one. Look. I see where they're coming from with that argument that live is associated with a lot of failures over the past, well, two, three generations, whatever you want to call it, back going back to Xbox 360. But the name change is not going to, it's not going to make a difference. Even if you call it NBA Showdown, bring back the Showdown name, for example, people are going to say, oh, that's from EA Sports, the people who made NBA Live. It's not going to be good if they're going to, if they're going to make that connection. You know what I mean? 
they're going to see that it's the brand the brand that they're going to look at is not so much nba live although of course that is the name they're familiar with but it is the ea sports part of that so they can call it nba showdown they can call it nba on espn since they have the espn license i imagine you can call it whatever you want but if people are going to dump on it automatically it's going to be because it's a game coming from ea sports a brand that people don't trust and that is the bigger problem and now hopefully they can get over that with a great release and bring back the NBA Live name, which, as you say, also has the benefit of nostalgia attached to it. But you can change that name and people are still going to doubt it or love it or whatever. The bottom, the bottom line is they have to come up with a great game, as we've said so many times before. But, yeah, you, you change the name, people are going to still, still point it and say, ha EA. So changing the name is just getting rid of the nostalgia. Yeah, instead of EA Sports, it's in the game. They can change it to EA Sports. Live is not in the name. Just do the same voice and everything. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it would be absolutely it would be absolutely ridiculous. Um, like you said, the EA Sports is you know that name is still going to be behind it, and people are still going to associate it with the same you know the suits, the developers, all of that stuff. The marketing is still going to be from EA Sports, all of that stuff. So I think it's absolutely ridiculous the idea of changing it. To be completely honest with you, and I think the reasons given to um, given for changing it. The people aren't, and, and I know I say this all the time, but people are not thinking big picture. Big picture. They're not thinking, you know, they're not thinking also of recent success that they actually had with the game and the monumental disappointment that occurred when we found out that they were canceling again for In, Live indeed. 20. And the bigger picture is that it doesn't matter about that, the name that they put on it. They can change it to Elite. They can change it to whatever. Showdown. NBA on ESPN. NBA Live. Whatever name they want to give it. That rebranding doesn't matter because it is still coming from EA Sports. So people are going to... The, the people who are not going to trust the game from EA Sports are not going to suddenly say, oh, well, they changed the name, so it's going to be better. Especially when you think about... Because you said NBA Elite 11, they changed the name, and that didn't turn out better, did it? So I, I think it is very myopic to, to look at that. understand where it's coming from and understand the idea of a, a tarnished name, but I also think there's too much value in that name and... The, the benefits of keeping the name outweigh any benefits, any possible benefits from changing it. So uh, if they're going to remake make, NBA like, Live, call it NBA Live. You make a great game and you make, and you market it correctly, it will be received well. Listen, do you know how many times there's been an actor that made like seven crappy movies? Like he was in just movies that were just not very good. And then he, they, they make a great movie and cast this, this actor and he doesn't, and, and he does well in his role. And it's just, it blows up like that movie blows up. Like that's happened a lot. Like it's the same type of thing. The actor is still the actor. It's still by the same name. He still had those prior failures in those other movies. But does that mo mean that that new movie sucked? Right. Not People, all, yeah. it was the right way the trailers were done the right way um all of that stuff he presented himself the right way and then the movie sold so i look at it like that i, I, uh, I want to say i want to say nicholas cage maybe as a, as a comparison i can think of, i mean it, if i had a little bit more time i could definitely think of quite a few people that um you know they had quite a few clunkers and then they came out and just blew it away in a movie and, a, and, a, and it was a huge in the, in the movie was a big hit. Uh, we'll have to revisit that. Maybe in the next podcast, we can actually drop some names about how, this topic. How about EA calls it NBA cage 22. <laughs> I hope you're not thinking of the movie face off as a flop. No, I'm, because... I'm, I'm not. No. Although to, to that He's point, John Travolta would be a good example of an actor who came back from bad movies. 
Oh Kabul. yeah, because he he went he went on a huge streak of bad movies. Yeah, actually, um, and then came back. But Face Off, um, you know that that movie, John Travolta and Nicolas Cage is actually one of my childhood favorites. I absolutely love. That's that a classic. Movie. No, I, I was thinking of that as a strong one. As, or, or he sort of had a, a, a few in between Face Off and some of his more recent ones. I feel, but yeah, and, I mean Face Off doesn't really make any sense, but yeah. So. Oh, I just want to say NBA Cage 22, because, of course, back in the day, basketball was played in cages, and basketball players known as cagers, so what, what, what a tribute to the history of the NBA in its 75th anniversary. I mean, it, this writes itself, NBA Cage 22, there you go. Okay, I'm, I'm all on board for this name change to NBA Cage 22. No, not really. But... NBA, NBA Cage 22. You can put Nicolas Cage basically in anything. <laughs> Cage is on, he's on the cover. Just the way That's what, yeah, he's the cover athlete. Um, the cover actor. I did want to, I want to point something out too. Um, so I brought up still to 33 earlier. Um, the, the fact that I've gotten some more games in with him, man, does he talk trash hmm. and, but you know what? I was prepared for it and I've been giving it back and, but he, he can be down 20, 25 points and he's still talking trash. And it's like, this is amazing. He's like, he said, and you know what I love about this? This is, this is everything, you know, we're talking, after we played, uh, I think we played three games that night. Uh, you were talking and he said, I got to be honest with you. I feel like I'm 16 again. And I thought that was awesome. And that's how fun it is to play human versus human, right? That's how fun it is to, um, have that competitive experience. And it's, it's like a, and it's a shared experience, right? Absolutely. You know, when something amazing happens in the game, you know, you can't turn to the computer and be like, oh, did you see that? You know what I mean? Or like comment to them like because they're not real. So but, you know, when a big play happens, like when he had that D Brown inbounds alley-oop dunk that made the top 10, he messaged me right away and he goes, oh, my God, top 10. And we got to experience that that together. And just nothing beats it. Like he makes that comment and I'm like, oh, my God, when he made that comment, I'm just like, I want to promote Parsec more. Like, I, I need to get more people on this platform. And you've seen my push for that. Absolutely. I mean, for, for me, it's it's been refreshing. Even just going back and playing some solo Live 10 or on Fire Edition, taking that break from... And, and you don't realize just how much, with recent 2Ks, for example, that it's all about the grind to get a player up or get cards for my team. There's so much work to enjoy. And there is some enjoyment in that process. But the ability to just pop in a game and just enjoy virtual basketball and i know i've said this on previous shows and it's it's really just hitting me how much i should have taken a break and, and gone back and spent more time not just revisiting them for way back wednesday which i love doing but actually just putting them back in the rotation and so this is something i'd obviously recommend to anybody not just obviously parsec you know this is a great initiative that we have going at the moment as well but even if you just want to play solo if you're not enjoying the recent game find find the oldest game or the most recent game if you will that you can still enjoy and it still gives you that, um, you know, you can still have that, that passion for and go back and play that. Do not force yourself to play the latest game uh, if you can play an older game. You know, there's no, oh, look, when 2K22 comes out, I'm sure I'll be playing, I'll be, you know, hopefully that will be a great game. I'll be spending time with that. But being able to rotate into that collection has been uh, very refreshing. Go back and play, like, if you still have it, like 2K17 and jump into a My League sure. or something. You know, you can still use the base customization, like move your team, choose the GOAT logo or something like that, and put together a team or something. Listen, those rosters are now classic. Messed up, right? 
Like, yeah. if you really think about yeah. it, NBA 2K15, NBA 2K14, 16, 17, you look back at those teams, and hardly any of those guys are in those places anymore. That's right. It's almost like using a classic team Retro roster. Retro rosters, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like a retro roster. It's really cool if you really think about it. And you can revisit those. Like, I, I was putting on NBA 2K15, and I'm looking through the teams with my brother, and it's just like, man, these are nothing like they are today. Mm. And it was only six years ago, and it looks like a classic roster now. Love it, turnover, like yeah. something mod, like a mod, yeah. Um, so yeah, go. You know, I know that you guys don't. A lot of you people don't only enjoy the online part, right? Definitely. And I know that most people don't enjoy a grind. Like, they don't love that, and a lot of people actually have more frustration than joy in the online scene. But they're just trying to connect with people, right? Yep. Or be part of something etc but you know i know that a lot of you people enjoy other stuff other than that so like my league or or a season or whatever or my nba now or whatnot but in those older games my league uh, association and whatnot jump into that go back and play one of those games and have fun and call up your friends please and play other humans you know if you have a sibling try to get them involved uh call up your friends, have them come over. I know that's a lost co- concept. Everybody wants to text and play online, but get your friends to come over your house or your apartment or whatnot and actually jump on the sticks with you. Because uh, like I said, I'll tell you, you know, that reaction from Stildo, um, the reactions I've had from King J. Mace, the reactions from Hornets on Fire when we were playing, they just absolutely love it, right? There's nothing like playing another human in that capacity. So, yeah, you know, call your friends. And it's, 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 it's important to keep in mind that it is supposed to be fun. And I think that is something that we have lost sight of. And I think the bottom line is to just enjoy games, which is what it's supposed to be. It's not just, it's not supposed to be work. It's not supposed to be repetitive grinding to the, to the point of, okay, I've finally got a, a playable avatar or I've finally got the cards. Oh, and now a new game's out and that all goes back to uh, square one again. And I've been doing that for the past few years with playing a lot of my career in the connected modes. I can see now just how repetitive it was and when you're involved with it you're having some fun with it don't get me wrong but putting that aside even just playing something some other stuff in 2k21 but going back doing these fantasy matchups in live 10 obviously and playing on fire edition playing some other games with you or or just by myself uh, it's it again it's just been so refreshing to do and it does make me a little bit wistful for the future of basketball gaming Uh, it's it's hard not to be a bit cynical about that we touched on that last week and, and other shows as well obviously but we are getting closer and closer to some kind of preview season for NBA 2K22, and people are already starting to speculate, talking about... Well, I mean, I'm seeing more cynicism as well, people thinking that it's going to be all just more of the same, or people that are very not excited, unexcited about the, the lack of a preview season, and mentioning how they do this every year, and how it's just that we don't get to hear anything until the game is all almost out. But we're already seeing some apologism, and yeah, I just don't like that at all. What was my first comment to you about that? So that was on um, NBA Reddit. Yeah. And NBA 2K Reddit. My first comment to you was, I wonder who controls that account. Yeah. That's a big account. That account has connections. That account does updates, news, um, all that st- takes in feedback, all of that stuff. So you got to wonder if that's pre- prepping the community for something. And I think that was the first thing I said to you. Um, you know, it like almost like it's prepping, like they are prepping the community for disappointment for a game. Maybe that doesn't have the updates that people may hope that they have. Right. 
maybe it's a very similar experience um, to the 2K21 that we just got on next gen. Uh, maybe we won't get a PC version that's next gen. Like, there's a lot of different things that I think about when I see official Reddit accounts or big popular Reddit accounts or any other social media platform, the big ones, uh, when I see comments like that. So I think you had a similar reaction. I did, and they're not the only ones to to do that. We've seen people with uh, influences in the community also put it out there. And look, it's, it's worth acknowledging the challenges of video game development at the best of times, let alone in the, uh, in the face of a global pandemic. But at the same time, it did seem to be trying to not lower expectations, but almost make excuses for, oh, something may not be as good as you thought. And, and yes, certainly this has been a very unique situation over the past 12, 18 months, but there are issues in 2K21, current gen and next gen that have been in there for four or five years or more. So, if you want to say, okay, they've had some difficult development conditions over the past 12, 18 months, that's fair enough, that's understandable. But what about 2016, 2015, 2017? Right, well, like you said, um, a lot of what they've done is, uh, you know, was marketing to get all those pre-sales up and those initial orders and, you know, the whole building from the ground up campaign. Yeah. Like all that marketing and, and what the Zion trailer, which was BS, all of that stuff. Um, so... You know, if you want to lie or exaggerate or, you know, say things like it's built from the ground up, even though it has the same blueprint and all of that stuff, um, and then not deliver and then deliver a game that has like um, a lot of the same legacy issues and then some new issues and just poor AI and all the stuff we've talked about before. uh, If you want to do that, you better be prepared for a community that's going to fight back. Right. Like. And I think that's why uh, that NBA 2K Reddit did that post, uh, because I think that people that run those big accounts are connected. They're we talked about this. They're fed information, right? Yeah. They're uh, fed information. They're usually a developer or in with the developers or in with the suits, all of that stuff, and they control the content. So, the person who, in my opinion, the person that posted that has a legitimate reason for wording it the way they did and posting it the way they did. And when they did. So, um, yeah, you know what? It's very familiar language, isn't it? It really is, yeah. I mean, we've heard heard it before. Uh, The thing is, is I don't think I've heard it this close to a release date before. There was was some around next-gen release last year. I saw some influencers floating at that kind of that very shill take of oh the haters are going to criticize this and pull this apart because to a shill oh no i remember yeah. that i can't even remember. oh no i there was multiple big youtubers around the same time last year and i'm trying to think of some of the names that came out with videos almost like apologies and videos even before the game came out but then also were on twitter saying things like that oh oh, the 2k haters are going to be out in full force when the new game is released and they're yep. going to complain about anything and like it's, it's like the, fir- it's the yeah. first step is to preemptively dismiss criticism. It is a get tried and true shill technique to preemptively defend the game, apologize for the issues, not really know even apologizing for the issues sometimes, but certainly preemptively paint any criticism as hating and and calling people whiners, haters, whatever, so that when they do, when the game comes out, if there is legitimate criticism, you're already fighting against this image of being a hater or a whiner, crybaby, whatever you want to say. They use all kinds of loaded language to, to do this. 
And it really bothers me as somebody who tries to be fair-handed, who tries to be in-depth in critique and my the way I cover basketball games. So I hate to see that kind of shilling and that apologism. And look, I know that there are people who are haters, there are people that bash, and there are people that don't take things into account about how difficult video game development is at the best of times, let alone in the last couple of years. But no, that, that, that stuff, it's just really disrespectful to your fellow gamer. If you're an influencer doing that, shame on you. Yeah. And you know what, though? They have those influencers wrapped around their little fingers. Yeah. So that's why that's why it happens. Um, and they don't want to lose their perks. And we talked about this. The, the funny part is, is if NBA Live suddenly took off and it blew up and it became more popular um, or the trendy thing that those those influencers would just jump ship and go right over to NBA Live and start begging for that. I would love to see EA slam the door in their face and, and open it up to people like more fair minded people like us. Just putting it out there. But yeah, I, I would love to see it because you, you don't get to spend years dumping on a product and then turn around and try and show for them. It's just yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd love. I, I, I don't. I'm not confident they'd be shut out because they've got that big audience. But I'd love to see EA say, uh, "No, you've been really anti us for years. We're going to work with some people who are open to working with our brand, not just." Yeah. I, I think we need. I think we need somebody else in there because NBA 2K once again with NBA 2K22. If it does come out flat, if it does come out with the same issues or almost the same as 2K21 next gen with no big improvements, um, you know what's going to end up happening is they're going to get away with it again. And people are, they're going to get over 10 million buys. Like people are going to buy, you know, they're going to sell over 10 million copies and people are, um, they're going to complain. They're going to have the same poor scores on Metacritic and on steam and people are going to get frustrated with the game. But at the same time, 2k will get, have a whole nother year of getting away with it. So we need competition in the space. So I hope that EA announcement is NBA live to be honest. Sadly, it is not a golden age at the moment, but that, that kind of takes us into this week's uh, mailbag. So how about we open up the mailbag and uh, answer some questions, Derek? Yeah, we got a couple of good questions uh, this week, so appreciate that. And um, I think we only had one last week, so this is great. So on the subject of golden eras and whatnot, Derek, uh, the Beeble Pundit, at Beeble Pundit on Twitter, shout out to you as always, has suggested a topic this week, uh, the peak era or generation, five to ten year period that is, for all of basketball gaming as a whole. Again, we've said that the current era is not the golden era, sadly, despite more uh, technological advances than ever before and all the everything can be done with online. But uh, yeah, what uh, what do we feel is the peak era or generation of basketball gaming as a whole? Wow. So I'm going to say 2003 to 2013. Yeah. Is that a lot? Is it five, ten years? Yeah. Five, ten years, So yeah. 2003 to 2013. And I'm going to say... The reason is is because in, in, in 2003 is when we got Street Volume 2, but we also got a huge improvement in NBA Live and NBA Live 2003 when they switched over to right stick dribbling and the game was just um, fluid and fun. And we just, me and my brothers dived, in, dived into that like crazy. Uh, we loved it. I told you that. I, in fact, uh, sometimes I prefer NBA Live 2003 over Live 2004. And... They also still had the NBA Inside Drive titles. Um, NBA Shootout was still coming out. And they had all of these different, um, you know, they had the arcade games, the, the streets and whatnot. It was just such a good selection of video games. And the games were really starting to get better, right? Like they were starting to get more mechanics. Um, there were starting to be things more like more stat tracking, uh, all of that stuff. So I'm going to say it's a great start 
um, in 2003 and just, just so many different selections. But then you got to think about it. It was Xbox 360 that in PS3 that came next. And when you go all the way up to two, um, 2013, you have NBA 2K13, NBA 2K12, NBA 2K11, which are three of the strongest releases in NBA 2K's history. And by doing that, and you go live, to, um, to, excuse me, from 2003 to 2013, you get some of the best NBA Live games ever made. Live 2003, Live 2004, Live 2005, Live 2006, and then Live 2010 is actually thrown in there, and a improvement in NBA Live 2009. And you get NBA Jam in there, NBA Jam 2010, NBA Jam on Fire Edition. Some of the best basketball video games ever made are in that 10-year stretch, and there's a lot of them. So, um, in my opinion, that would be the best stretch. If I had to choose five years, I would probably go um, 2003 to 2008. And that's because Live was stronger, 2K was still incredibly strong, and you had those arcade titles like Street Volume 2 and, and whatnot. And that is a, a tremendous era of basketball gaming. It does encompass kind of to the, the start of microtransactions as well. And I know we're... It's, it's hard not to beat a dead horse on this, but the big changes that have come into basketball gaming over the past generation or so started in 2013, did they not? So it's kind of getting to the start of that is, I, I, I think it's the end of a very strong era, at the very least. Yeah, I think that what ended up happening was they went away, we've talked about this so many times before, they went away from that immersive NBA experience that low, and, and the play with your friends locally experience and the play with your siblings the local co-op local against all of that stuff and they started they started moving into that online scene so uh you know i could say that 2010 to 2020 had some pretty awesome games right the ease it's it's the best era for nba 2k be it 2k 11 13 14 strong release 15, 16, 17, all of those games were just incredibly strong. Um, but how can I say that 10, um, 2010 to 2020 when it was live um, half the time not even being released, NBA 2K being the only sim player in the space really, you know, making quality basketball games, and then, you know, no real arcade releases outside of NBA Jam 2010, and there's no NBA shootout. There's no NBA inside drive. There's none of those other games or, you know, NBA 09 or whatever. So, yeah, I can't I can't choose something PS4, or PS5. No, I, I'm inclined to agree. And it is very hard to go against that as a, as a golden era or certainly one of the peak eras of, uh, of basketball gaming. I mean, here we could also split hairs about what is a golden era, what is a peak era what, and talk about what actually makes. I mean... You can, if you go back to you go back far enough, the games are getting more primitive, obviously. But at the same time, the fun we had with them is sometimes much more than the, their more advanced counterparts. I have to admit, though, my my first thought of a peak era was actually '95 to 2005, because that kind of encompasses having an NBA Jam still being a big thing, NBA Jam Tournament Edition coming out, the, those early NBA Live games that were improving year after year. You had a lot of other players in the space. You also had uh, 2K coming along as it uh, as the new millennium hits, um, and there's some very strong releases between '95 and 2005. And as I said, 
it is improving pretty much every year on a lot of those games. A couple of stumbles here and there with the NBA Live series, at least, but pretty uh, constant improvement from the 16-bit era through to that, um, what was it, sixth generation, I believe, of, of consoles, and of course the PC gaming, the height of, of PC modding, NBA Live modding, uh, probably in that era as well. So that's that would be my second candidate. The problem with that is that it doesn't include the later really good 2K releases like 2K11, 12, 13, uh, and 14. So that that is the problem with, with 95, 2005, and there are certainly more primitive releases in there. But when I think back to the fun we were having at the time and the way the games were improving, that would be... It's up there, I think, that era, 95 to 2005 as well. I can agree with that. And, and I think that... I had a I had such a blast with basketball video games in the mid two thousands and uh, late two thousand excuse me uh, the mid nineties and late nineties and early two thousands and games like you know the college basketball games too like um, like Coach K college basketball right yeah. and um, Dick Vitale's awesome baby um, college basketball which I don't know if you've ever played it um, but that's one that we could revisit at some time as well. And I, I played endless hours on NBA Live 96, Live 98, and Live 2000, and obviously great PC releases as well. Um, and, of course, my introduction to PC gaming uh, with those with those titles. So, and, and, of course, we talked about it. You know, what about NBA in the zone and, you know, NBA shootout back then and those titles, the other titles we had to choose from. And then, obviously, the arcade games and the copycat games of NBA Jam back then. So... I, I can see that, and I wouldn't argue with anybody. I just I just find NBA 2K11, 2K12, 2K13, even 2K7, 2K8, uh, 2K9, 2K10 to be just too overwhelmingly important, and that's why I and that's why I gravitate to 2003 to 2013, um, but especially 2K11, 2K12, and 2K13. So yeah, I, I can, I, but I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, that, that, I mean, is, I said, that is the problem with 95 to 2005 is that you lose that a lot of improvements, a lot of technological improvements and content improvements as well. Because again, the Jordan Challenge, Retro Teams, something we, we never thought, well, you know, we did kind of see the Legends teams before and going way back to uh, NBA Action 94, obviously. But to see that uh, done as well as it has been done, at least in the early days with the Retro Teams in 2K, uh, yeah, it's hard to go past that as well. But I, I think the, those are two very strong eras, that 95 to 2005, 2003 to uh, 2013, even if you go 2000 to 2010, that's a pretty strong era as well. That, that encompasses a lot of great live releases, the rise of 2K, culminating with 2K11. So you can kind of have some pretty good spans there. Uh, anything but the last gen- the last decade, unfortunately. I'm probably going to argue with somebody if they say 1980 to 1990. You don't care for NBA in television? A- NBA basketball in television, I should say? Well, see, double dribble... That and... game had a set shot button. Name me another game with a dedicated set shot button. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just going to say this. If you say 1980 to 1990, I want you to tell me how many games you remember that you enjoyed from that time frame. Mm. If you're going to if you're going to say that cuz that's a tough sell. I'm going to be honest. It and is. I'm not even crapping on that era. You know how I feel about double dribble. And then games that came shortly after like Jordan versus Bird and whatnot. Like I you know how I feel. But I just I can't consider it the golden age. Well, uh, gaming in general is in its infancy, was it not? So we can't. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's hard to give it to that uh, <laughs> that generation. But uh, right, hey, exactly. Make an argument. We'll listen to it. It'd be interesting to uh, to hear that argument. But uh, nevertheless, we, we'd probably go for one of those later 
uh, spans that we said. But uh, thank you very much for the question. Uh, yeah, let us know what you feel. Is the uh, both uh, Bebo Pundit and anybody else listening? Uh, let us know what uh, what your favorite era is, or what you feel a peak era is, if you will. Because fa- again, favorite and peak can be different things. You can have a personal favorite, but a more objective overall uh, peak or golden era. Right. If you're going to explain it to try to give some reasoning, like go into a little bit of detail and tell us why. If you decide to comment on it, tell us why NBA basketball for television is the greatest game ever made. That that would be. If, if you can argue that uh, successfully, uh, I bow down to your debating skills, quite frankly. But uh, <laughs> moving on to our second and final question this week comes from uh, Molly in the forum. Shout out to you once again. Uh, which gameplay additions have been underrated in your opinion? Perhaps something related to control scheme, a new option in controls, adjustment to the AI gameplay system, etc. Yeah. So this is another one that's kind of subjective in so much as you can say whether something is underrated or overlooked although those are actually synonyms so you could split hairs on the linguistics there but you have things that are known Derek but they're not really given enough credit and then there are things that are just completely overlooked and not given any credit because people just don't think of them and we can think of examples of each I'm sure but I'll throw it over to you first and maybe you'll throw it back to me and I'll put me on the spot I don't know if you've got something ready to go but what comes to your mind first when we talk about uh underrated gameplay additions wow yeah this is a thinker one thing that came up recently uh as far as like an nba 2k control scheme well not recently but you know within the last i don't know four or five years and whatnot uh one thing that they changed was the functionality of throwing alley-oops and fancy passes so back in like nba 2k 14 in order to throw an empty pass you have to like an empty pass empty pass a, a fancy pass um you have to hold the back bumper and either um and i believe push the pass button or move the joystick in a certain direction and it will be a fancy pass so mm-hmm. it's like the back bumper and then that and what they did and in then order to throw alley-oops in nba 2k14 you had to hold down the back bumper and hit like the x button i want to say uh but then what they did, and this is such a subtle change, but it's really underrated, but it's, it, it's very welcoming, is they made it so fancy passing is just the double tap of one button, and then throwing alley-oops is the double tap of the Y button, depending on which controller you're using, or a, tri- a triangle or whatever. It's, it's little things like that that people don't talk about that have a massive impact on your experience with the game like being able to do things quickly, um, you know, things that make sense. The other thing that I find incredibly underrated that, again, they don't talk about enough, and it's not as good in the newer 2K, that doesn't work exactly the same, and it's frustrating, is the ability that you were given on NBA 2K17 to just choose which hand you finish with on which side of the rim you finish with. And, you know, it, you know back back when we were playing games coming up and even like NBA 2K11 and games like that, you couldn't choose which hand to finish with, right? Or which side of the hoop. Like you drove the lane and it was like, the game is going to decide how I finish this. Uh, I think this is so underrated and not talked about enough. So like if I'm on the fast break and I see my brother using a player and he's breathing down my neck on the right side, I can push the joystick to the left side and finish with my left hand on a dunk or a layup, vice versa, on the right side if I need to. If I need to drive baseline and I want to do a reverse layup, 
I'll, you know, let my hand off of the turbo and I'll push the joystick towards the out of bounds line and I go to do a reverse layup. If I want to do a reverse dunk, I can do that same thing by holding turbo, pushing towards the out of bounds line with the joystick and I can do it like try to go up and do a reverse dunk. That joystick control the effect and, and how it works is sorely missing in the newer, the last couple two games. It is absolutely fantastic on NBA 2K17. And I think it's very underrated and more people. I don't know how many people used it as much as me and my brother do, but it really, it, more people should be talking about it. It really changed the way we played. And then NBA 2K17 also had the amazing feature of if you want to do a signature dunk with a player, you're holding down turbo and you push the joystick away from the basket and if you if you don't have turbo on it's a floater but if you're you know you have turbo on and you push your joystick away from the basket so like behind you he'll do a signature dunk so like if you look at some of my brother and my uh highlights uh you can see jordan dunking sometimes from the free throw line you can see um, julius irving doing his signature dunk or drexler doing his um etc and it's just another great feature of NBA 2K17. So I would say those two examples, the the right stick use and the double button press, would be the things that um, fly under the radar. I definitely agree, and I think it's uh, it comes down to being able to expand controls, and which they've been doing throughout time with basketball games. But those examples that you mentioned were, were really good examples of how they got it right, because we've had some deep controls even as early as the early... 2000s basically but they were a bit more contrived some of those controls they've got them to a point where they're much more intuitive effective basically and, and they feel good there was a year there that to throw an alley-oop you had to press pass and shoot at the same time i believe was that 2k 13 14 um i believe it was 2k 13 yeah if i remember correctly Which, and it, every yeah. time i go back to that game every time i go back to that game after not playing it for a while i have to search it yeah. Like, I, I like Google it on, like, how to do it. It's like that in the flashy pass. It's uh, it's just a lot of... When it starts feeling like you're doing a cheat code to try and get a basic move to work, that's when the controls are no, no longer intuitive. So I do want to mention Freestyle Superstars as an example of something that's talked about a lot, but is kind of underrated in so much as people dump on it. And I think that while, yes, it didn't achieve everything it wanted to and what we what we wanted it to... It was a big step forward in player differentiation and signature moves around about that time, around that generation. It was a stepping stone, and I think people underrated as its ability to, the way it connected one generation to another and really started getting us on the right track with that. With I mean, 2K took it further than NBA Live did, but nevertheless, uh, that is an underrated uh, improvement there. Speaking of mechanics, though, and underrated mechanics, it'd be too easy to say defense as a whole, but if you do go back to old games, playing defense and... We, we talked about double dribble player edition, obviously, in NBA Live 95, how they do have some good bones, good blocking and stealing mechanics. They're not as precise as, as later games. And also, if you don't get the stop, it's much harder to actually impact the the offense. So that, that is a problem. The balance between offense and defense that older games, that if you, if you didn't actually get the, the steal or the block, you pretty much had to hope that the timing was off or the dice roll was unkind and the shot missed. So there has been improvement there. But to that point, and on the, the subject of shots missing, I think one of the biggest improvements to basketball games over the years is rebounding. Now, this may sound weird because there are some 
funny moments with rebounds as of 2K21. Some warping, the ball warping into hands and clipping through the other player because it's decided that this player is going to get the rebound. Yes, that is still a problem. But if you go back to really old games, you'll have so many rebounds that you're collecting off the floor or flat-footed. You chase them down. If you In old games, Derek, and I noticed this as we were playing both Double Dribble, a player edition, and Live 95 earlier before we started recording this, is that if you jump for rebounds, you're actually at a disadvantage. So rebounding mechanics are something that have really improved over the years that uh, Live 19 has some problems with its auto-rebound. I hate that. That's something that Live does need to get rid of if slash when they're coming back. But rebounding mechanics over the years, there's a lot less. I mean, yes, there should be some rebounds that you chase down. That is realistic. But in the old games, you were chasing down so many rebounds. And pressing rebound, pressing jump to rebound, was put you at a disadvantage, as I said. So I think that is one, one really underrated way that games have really improved, as well as the defensive game as a whole. And Neil Live 2002 has the worst rebounding mechanics in video game history, I think. Yep. Um, that's the game where you literally don't want to jump ever for a rebound. You need to let it fall to you. Exactly. Um, you'd rather hit the floor and just run over it in order for your player to pick it up. Uh, I think that rebounding and shot blocking, the improvements in both of those, uh, should be highlighted more in in basketball games you know we go back my brothers my brother and i nick uh, we, we play legends uh, or or on the same team in general um back and you know we use some of the older games and one of the things we always highlight that's frustrating is the rebounding mechanics um and uh, and oftentimes the shot block mechanics and in the newer games i would say probably starting with 2k15 2k16 and whatnot they the rebounding mechanics ended up being way better far more sound, um, more realistic. You can time them better. Your player will actually go, uh, will, will grab the ball the way they're supposed to and whatnot. And boxing out has also been improved. And then when you're getting shot, when you're shot blocking, uh, you can suspend shots in the air and you're not just swatting it out of bounds, but you can suspend shots in the air and start fast breaks. And it's, it's better to time and your player's animations are better and whatnot. So I would say shot blocking and rebounding has really improved since 2K probably 15 because and you've, you've mentioned this nba 2k 14 for next gen has a lot of the same um little issues that 2k 14 for pc has and one of the issues on nba 2k 14 for xbox one and ps4 is the rebounding and the shot blocking it is not as good as 2k 15 and up uh your players are sometimes cemented to the ground they won't jump um they the ball tracking the hand to ball tracking isn't as good etc so um i would agree with that i would agree you know rebounding and shot blocking has definitely gotten a lot better over the years and this may sound strange because animation variety is so important but the addition of non-highlight plays just very simple moves because especially when it comes to dunks because you look at a game even at the recent nba live games where every dunk kind of has to be a big dunk it's also means that it's a big wind up it's easier to block sometimes because it's a slower animation you can see it coming more predictable uh, and also it's not necessarily contextually uh, appropriate so you see players warping from spots you see rocket dunks because they're not supposed to be jumping from there but they've already started the animation so they need to get to the hoop to finish so adding small dunks around the rim and just simple plays quick dunks quick flushes uh, I think has really improved, not just aesthetically, but the actual on-court experience as well. It's, I mean, it looks great to have so many 
for uh, such a huge variety of, of moves around the hoop and in the paint but it also means you've got those quicker shots those quicker dunks that you can finish uh, without having to have the big wind up and not everything should be a highlight play outside of an arcade game where obviously you want that crazy dunks and whatnot but that's another thing that animation variety and going to the trouble going to the trouble of adding just small dunks just basic dunks near the rim that uh, that you can just finish very quickly doesn't isn't just aesthetically accurate and lifelike but is also very useful from a gameplay uh, standpoint as well yeah realistic immersion um, it definitely helps with um, immersion. Uh, it's funny because then you can say the opposite about things that kind of hurt newer titles um, where there wasn't en- enough animations and not enough variety. And look no further than NBA 2K20 and NBA 2K21 uh, for the PC, PS4, and Xbox One where they have every player does the exact same step back. Like they just have the exact same step back animation. I Like if I, I can use Kyrie... Uh, when I say step back, I mean like, I mean behind the back dribble, like the like the behind the back. You, you like when you try to do like a quick behind the back dribble to create space, it's it looks the same with every player. I could it looks the same if I'm using Kyrie Irving or if I'm using Kemba Walker. Um, I could be using Rudy Gay, and he's going to do that exact same step back dribble. Going play play the differentiation back. that that itself right, is an exactly. underrated improvement. Right. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, you, you, so that right there um, actually hurts those two titles, but yeah, I definitely agree. The little little different layups around the rim, little different dunks around the rim, all of that stuff add to authenticity and immersion. So basically, what I'm saying is, when you bring, come out with a next gen trailer, don't show me sweat. Show me a little dunk. Show me a basic dunk. <laughs> That's probably... show me. Yeah, show me. Show me a couple floater animations. How about that? Don't yeah. show me Zion breaking the rim. You know. Show me, uh, <laughs> show show me Dejounte Murray going up for a floater. I want to see that. So thank you for the question. Always great to reflect on where basketball games are going and where they've come from. And uh, yeah, let us know what you feel are the most underrated gameplay improvements in basketball gaming history. And that brings us to the end of episode number three hundred and eighty-three of the NLC podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about basketball gaming this week once again. The NLC podcast comes out every week on the NLSC, which is mb-live.com. We're also on all the major podcasting apps and platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, to name just a few. On those platforms, search for NLC Podcast, look for our logo, and that will be us. Please feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, hopefully a positive one. And since we are wrapping up, Derek, where can everybody find you on socials and any other final words you want to share this week? Uh, tune into Holding Court with D for three. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, uh, CLNS Media, Amazon Audible, etc. Um, tune into uh, my YouTube. I've definitely been uploading a lot of real NBA footage, um, re- footage remastering old NBA footage at higher frame rates. It looks really cool, so check that out. Um, obviously, some video game matchups between me and Stildo. 33 and, and Andrew as well. Uh, so definitely tune into my YouTube. I'm on Twitter where I'm the most active at D for 384, my new gaming channel at D for 3G. Uh, I'm also on the NLSC, D for 3 and Instagram, D for 384. As for me, as I said at the top of the show, I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. The NLSC is on Twitter and Facebook at the NLSC. On Instagram, we are NLSC Basketball. We have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Center, and of course, keep it locked to the NLSC itself, mb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. 
But yes, that's all for this week, so thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>